Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 3, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. Any grateful people in the house today? Let's try that again. Anybody grateful in the house today? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It says, whatever you do, this is Colossians 3.17. It's kind of a key verse we've been working on the last uh, few weeks here. Uh, when this started, I had no idea. I just, you know, we just ministered on it, and it seemed like every week he wanted me to go a little deeper with it, and so we just chip away at it, and that's what we'll do, praise God. And uh, I don't seem to know from week to week how, how long stuff like this lasts, but all I know is that uh, we've been at this now, I don't know, maybe, what, four weeks or something, so about a month, I guess, and it says, whatever you do in word or deed, in other words, in, in your speech or in your actions, okay, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I think, I mean, oh, that's a good thing to do. Do it in the name of the Lord. If you do it in the name of the Lord, chances are you'll probably um, be less apt to do something wrong. Come on now, because you, you're aware of what you're doing. That's what it's talking about. And it says, giving thanks to God the Father through Him, the giving of thanks. Give thanks. Everybody say, give thanks. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good doctrine right there. I say, it's good doctrine. Amen, because that's what we should all be doing. The giving of thanks here refers to an expression of gratitude, to express gratitude, to speak praise, to confess adoration and appreciation. So the implication is the fact that your mouth is involved when there's the giving of thanks. You know, a lot of times you've heard people might say, well, i got a praise in my heart. Well, the Word says you got to get it out of your heart and through your mouth. The Word says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Praise God. So when we're talking about the giving of thanks, you actually got to have your mouth engaged and working for you. Now, you know as well as I do, sometimes our mouth can be the, the source of our problems. Anybody in the house today? Sometimes our mouth can be the source of our problem. But if we uh, are givers of thanks, amen, and by the way, it isn't God taking thanks, it's you giving thanks, amen. Hallelujah. He's not going to force anybody to do this, amen, but the giving of thanks is a good, good, sure way to get your mouth engaged doing something good and working for you instead of against you, amen. Now, we kind of read more of this a couple weeks back. We went up and we kind of read all through Colossians 3 here and kind of brought this out in context. And the idea, of course, obviously, is it's talking about, you know, you may have pressure and things going on. And, And really, in context, a lot of it deals with people pressures. I mean, no, not everybody necessarily is following Jesus. Smile real big at your neighbor. Don't say nothing. And don't elbow him. Just smile real big at him. Amen. Sometimes what happens, you know, uh, sometimes we yield to the wrong, uh, you know, the wrong spirit. Come on, somebody. Sometimes uh, it happens. Sometimes there are people where you have connection with, you know. You could be uh, downtown. It could be at work. It could even be at home. And once in a while, somebody may not yield to the spirit of God. And uh, as a result of it, there's the opportunity for you to get offended, hurt, mad, complain, all that kind of stuff we uh, talked about. And uh, that's why it says, and whatever you do, no matter what's going on, amen, be quick to give thanks unto God. Now, I didn't, uh, you know, as we, uh, in fact, uh, uh, earlier in this, in, or pardon me, in this context, or in this text, the message translation says, thanking God the Father every step of the way. That's just good doctrine. Thank God every step of the way. Earlier in this uh, text, it says to cultivate thankfulness. And that's, I think I'm actually going to focus on that a little bit. Cultivate thankfulness, all right? So with that said, let's go to First uh, Thessalonians. Put that up there, if you will. 
1 Thessalonians 5. Now, again, it's just kind of a little review here. In everything, give thanks. Now, again, in context, we read through all this, and uh, we found out that, you know, uh, again, it's talking about when people pressure you and when there's issues going on, it talks about we're not to yield to evil for evil. Come on. And then it goes on to say, in everything, in other words, yield to the Spirit of God, and in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It didn't say for everything, it just said in everything. See, even in the midst of pressure, even in the midst of people problems, even in the midst of other pressures that might happen, even in the midst of things that maybe ain't all running smoothly and running like you would like it to be uh, running, but yet in the midst of it, we learn to give thanks. It's just, it's just right things to do. Give God thanks. Find something to give thanks for, praise God. Amen. God has done great things. Anybody, anybody had God do something great for you somewhere along the line? Yes. Hallelujah. There's things that God has done. There are things that God is doing even right now. And there are things by faith we can give God thanks for, things you're believing for, things you're pressing in for. Amen. You want to keep yourself engaged. You want to keep your faith locked on. One of those ways to do that for things that you're praying for is to remain a, a, a giver of thanks. Amen. Give thanks unto God. Amen. It's like it's somehow it keeps you connected. It keeps you moving forward, praise God. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. The will of God. Amen. I think I brought this out every time we've read it. Amen. Sometimes, you know, people say, well, how do you know if you're in the will of God? And I know why they ask that. You know, maybe they're, uh, you know, dealing with things about their life and their walk. And, you know, do I go this direction? Do I go that direction? But I do know this, that if you'll just start giving God praise, it automatically puts you in the will of God. At least for that moment, you can say, right now, I'm in the will of God. Hallelujah. And if you keep doing that, as we've been finding out through this series, if you keep doing that, pretty soon it positions you to get everything else right. Amen. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself there. But let's put Hebrews 13 up there. Another review verse. Amen. You doing okay? Let your conduct be without, uh, no, 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 Hebrews 3, 15 and 16, actually. I probably miswrote that. Sorry about that. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16, says this, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. And he explains what that is. That is the fruit of our lips. What? Hebrews 13. I might give you the wrong verse again. Uh, did I? Hebrews 13, verse 15. There we go. I'm sorry. There it is. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So again, there it is. It's telling you how much your lips got to be involved, your mouth's got to be involved, giving thanks. And then it says, but do good, or pardon me, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And of course, the first thing he mentions, of course, is to make sure your mouth, the giving of thanks, the giving of praise unto God, praise God. It's necessary to do. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Now, put the Psalms ones up. I'm taking my time with this on purpose, okay? Because how many of you believe in the unseen? Yes. Now, if you're a good Christian, you're going to say yes. And maybe even if you're a bad Christian, you might even say yes. Okay, because we know the truth. The answer to that is there's an unseen realm. It's not, you know, everything you see in this realm isn't, you know, there's an unseen realm. And uh, so sometimes we forget about that because we're caught up in what's going on every day around us. 
We get up every day. We, you know, we have our little ritual of getting ready for work or whatever it is to school, whatever it is you're doing. And, and you kind of every day it kind of becomes that way. And pretty soon, you know, every day just becomes this mundane thing you do every day. And you forget about there's an unseen realm. And so what happens is when days don't go so good, pretty soon you're caught up in it and not even realizing that we're yielding to things that we probably have no business yielding to. All because we're caught up in it because we're more moved by the seen realm than we are by the unseen realm. Are you with me? So it says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Okay, and it's talking about psalms of, of gratitude. Amen. Uh, come before his presence. Everybody say presence. Now in his presence, according to scripture, in his presence there's fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. In his presence is rest. Uh, he said to, uh, to Moses, uh, in his presence are times of refreshment, times of restoration. Everything you could need is in his presence. All right? Everybody say presence. All right? But, but it's an unseen thing. All right? Now, it can tap your, your feelings and your emotions and even at times even physically feel a difference in the room when presence is there. Absolutely. But regardless, presence really is an unseen thing. But it says here you come before his presence with thanksgiving. Psalms 100 verse uh, 4 says, uh, you know, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And that just means adoration. Okay, songs of adoration. Uh, Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now it says enter into his gates. Hallelujah. Now we've, you know, took some time with all that, of course. The gates, uh, there's, the scriptures talk about the gates of heaven. The scriptures also talk about the gates of hell. There's multiple references on each one of them. And we found out, amen, that if you want to enter into the gates of heaven, how do you do it? Through, one translation just says it this simple, through the words, thank you. It's amazing how you can begin to start tapping the presence of God stepping into the gates, and then it says into his courts, or literally it means courtyard, okay? So when you're coming into the gate, what it's talking about now, you're coming through a gate, coming into a courtyard, come on now, where it refers to an environment or an atmosphere. Now, it's just another way to say that when you step into the presence of God, how you do that is through thanksgiving. That's right. That's good. Okay? Through thanksgiving, all right? Now put uh, Deuteronomy, maybe the last verse for review here. Deuteronomy 28 is where we were at last week. And verse 47, now remember the blessing and the curse is mentioned in chapter uh, 28 here. The first 14 verses refers to uh, the blessing or actually defines the blessing, all right? And then basically the last 50 verses of that chapter define the curse. And it does it on purpose, all right? It takes some time and defines what the curse is. Okay, so you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what is the curse. See, family problems, that's part of the curse. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to hell because you have a family problem. It just means that the enemy is coming in to ransack your life, and it's the curse trying to operate in your household. Financial problems is, is listed under the curse. Health issues listed under the curse. Kid problems listed under the curse. Business problems listed under the curse. See, God's not the author of that mess, okay? Now, if that stuff's happening, what you can say is, listen, that's not of God, that's of the curse. So how do I get that changed? Well, it said here, 
in this uh, text here in verse 47, in the midst of the curse, it says this, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. This was a problem. It said the curse was running rampant in their life because they didn't stop with joy and gladness of heart. And all that means is gratitude. Okay? When you look it up, it just means through gratitude of heart. Okay? From your own heart, giving God gratitude for all the things that he's done. Now, why is that so important? Because the beginning of this chapter, as far as the blessing and the curse, it brings out very clearly that what makes the difference between the blessing and the curse is not following the voice of God. If you follow the voice of God, you walk in the blessing. If you don't follow the voice of God, the curse is going to slap you upside the head. Are you with me? So why is gladness of heart or why is gratitude or the giving of thanks so important? Because what positions God to move in your life is thanksgiving. What gives him room to move in your life is thanksgiving. What positions you to hear the voice is thanksgiving. Because it brings you into presence. It brings you into the gate, into the courtyard. Come on. Where all of a sudden now you're at least positioned to hear. Jesus said the same thing uh, in in, uh, John 10. It was very clear in the scripture. He said that the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. That's what the thief does. He said, I come that you might have life and life more abundant. That's the difference between the blessing and the curse. And he says this, the whole text in there, he said this. My sheep know my voice. Hear my voice, come on, and follow my voice. And the voice of a stranger literally means the voice of another they will not follow. So the difference between abundant life and the thievery or the blessing and the curse is hearing the voice and following it. Are we together? I asked the question earlier, how many believe in the unseen realm? you got to believe in that. you got to understand that there is an unseen realm. Things are moving right now in the unseen realm. Now, I didn't invite any devils in here today. So if you tried to bring one in, I'm sure they had to check out outside. But I just want you to know, you know, if you're going to entertain that mess, you have to understand he's probably waiting for you outside. Somebody says, well, that didn't sound comforting. I'm just saying, see, I mean, we have a choice. There's an unseen realm. What you're going to let work. You know, see, what, what is it that we, what, what kind of gate do we go in when we get up in the morning? What kind of gate are you going into? What kind of courtyard are you walking? What kind of environment? What kind of atmosphere? Are you, are you tapping presence? Are we in a position to hear the voice from above? Or is it all the other voices that we're giving heed to? See, all the other things that we go through have a tendency to scream at us. We're not making light of anybody's thing. We're not saying it doesn't exist. We ain't telling you as a Christian, you just act like all that doesn't exist. It's out there. There's all kinds of mess going on, all kinds of stuff that just is crazy and it's nutty. And you think, you know, nobody's that that stupid. And then you find out there is people that stupid. Right? 
There's all kinds of stuff going on. And so what happens is if, we're, if we lose sight of an unseen, then what happens is we go along in day and somebody did something, somebody said something, something happened, that this broke down, that happened, this didn't happen, this didn't come in, this should have been different, this person should have showed up for work, they didn't, this person this, that thing that, this thing that, that thing that, and pretty soon it's all screaming at you. And if you lose sight of an unseen, then pretty soon all those other voices start screaming at you and start leading you. Do you know that your wallet screams at you? Health issues. They can, they can put you to bed at night and wake you up in, in the morning. They can wake you up in the middle of the night. Come on, it's all got a voice. That, that, that problem at home, it has a voice and it speaks. And pretty soon, if you don't watch it, see, we're yielding to the wrong voice and we're now letting it lead. But see, Thanksgiving has a tendency to put you in a position where you're at least looking up. You're at least focusing now where you need to focus. You at least now create, because you've, you've now began to give God thanks, amen, for what he's done, for what he's doing, for what he's about to do, whatever. By faith, when you start giving God thanks, we go through a gate, hallelujah, and into a courtyard of his presence, of what all that he has, and in that courtyard is peace, in that courtyard is joy, in that courtyard pleasures forevermore, in that courtyard rest, in that court, whatever you need. Are you there? Times of refreshment, times of restoration. What is it you need is in that place. But see, if we get caught up with every other thing, then pretty soon, we miss out on all that, even though you're a child of God, even though you have the ability because you're, a, you're, a, you're one of his sheep. And the word says, his sheep know his voice. His sheep hear his voice. His sheep, what? Follow his voice. He's made your ears to hear and your eyes to see. Praise God. Jesus made it real clear, I can of myself do nothing. And then he later said, and you can of yourself do nothing. He says, so as I see the Lord do things, I do it. And as I hear him say things, I say it. In other words, I follow when he leads me. So Jesus walks a very successful ministry because he constantly positioned himself to hear and to see. Jesus said, the same works that I do shall you do. And greater works than these shall you do. See, a lot of times we say, well, you know, that was Jesus. I'm just some, you know, peon on earth that I, I can't do anything. I can't. Uh, who am I? You're a child of God. You got the greater one on the inside. You got the word of God at your disposal, the Holy Spirit, the empowerment, praise God, grace uh, to, to strengthen you and the hand of God at work for you, praise God. You got all kinds of things at your disposal as a child of God. But if we lose sight of the unseen, then we allow all the other voices to dictate and lead. And then pretty soon we're on a road we got no business being on. We're going down doing this and made a decision for this and a decision for that, signed on the dotted line when we probably shouldn't have, said I do when we probably shouldn't have. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Am I in the right house? Maybe my mic ain't on yet. Is anybody hearing me today? 
See, the giving of thanks begins to position you to begin to hear. Now, we brought out last week, and, and uh, we talked about, you know, because of the Deuteronomy 28 was actually part of uh, Moses' writings to the first generation that came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, it's called. 430 years of bondage, they were uh, under Egypt's rule. And so um, God delivered them, brought them out, said, come on to Mount Horeb, the, the mount of God, to worship me. And uh, he said, uh, when you're done worshiping me, when we're all done with this, he said, uh, it's an 11-day, I think last week I said 8, but I meant 11. It's 11-day, Deuteronomy 1 tells us it's an 11-day journey from Mount Horeb to where they look over into the promised land. 11-day journey, okay, which turned into 40 years. And everybody says, oh, that was, God wanted them in the, no, he did not. No, he did not. He makes it real clear. And we've, we've looked at multiple verses there in Psalms where it says that how they limited God because they wouldn't give heed to what he said. They wouldn't, they wouldn't yield to the voice. Okay, and then you go back and you look a little bit further and, and find out they not only didn't yield when he talked, they used their mouth for the wrong thing. They constantly complained. Instead of speaking praise, in fact, the word complaint, I thought, you know what, I mean, we all know what that means for the most part, but I thought I'd look it up, just so there's no, you know, confusion here. Now, remember, thanksgiving, or the giving of thanks means to express gratitude, but complaining means to express dissatisfaction. So, in other words, your mouth is being used for the wrong thing. You murmur, you gripe, you complain, you blame. Find fault. Some people think they get an award for it. They find fault, looking for fault in everybody's life. I mean, come on. And, and, and again, we've brought this out multiple times through this series that it doesn't, doesn't mean that there isn't sometimes something that's, that's a legitimate complaint. And there is. There's legitimate complaints. The problem is we rehearse it. And we keep talking. See, they got in trouble. They... They're now in a wilderness for 40 years waiting for that generation to die out so the next generation now could get the promised land. It was promised to them, but they kept rejecting. Instead, they kept speaking and expressing their dissatisfaction. It is so horrible out here. Oh, my God. Uh, wh what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Oh, my God. How come? Oh, this is horrible. Maybe we should just go back to Egypt. Oh, my gosh. Somebody said they really talk that way? Yes. It's like, you know. <laughs> and people are people. There, people today are no different than people back then. You know as well as I do, okay, you know, you could have a hundred great things going on and have two things that are horrible. What do you focus on? Do you know complaining is nothing less than just focusing on the wrong thing? Thanksgiving is about focusing on the right thing. So what I'm doing, I'm going to focus on the right thing Begin to give him praise and honor and thanks. Amen. And it's so simple. It's so, it's so, it's so simple. 
to give thanks. Somebody says, well, I don't feel like it. Well, duh. Right? Sometimes, sometimes you know what? You got to do it because even though you don't feel like it, you got to do it anyway. That's why sometimes it is a sacrifice of praise. But just to start doing it, and then all of a sudden it's like you, you know, the gate opens up and you go in, and now all of a sudden you're tapping presence and you're tapping a courtyard that has everything you could need in that place. Amen. And all of a sudden now, see, there's a, a shift that happens in the unseen. Now the Spirit of God, amen, can begin. Now he's in a, you're in a place where now maybe you could hear something when God begins to lead, and all of a sudden now you're taking steps in a direction that he's leading. Which means now a lot of that yuck and mess is going to start falling off. But if we keep rehearsing the problem, in other words, we keep expressing our dissatisfaction, it never goes away. Because you went through the wrong gate. And you're standing right now Listen, unseen realm, you're standing in the wrong courtyard. Well, I, I don't like the curse. I said, I don't like the curse. I don't ha like having, you know, family problems or financial problems or health problems or <sighs> church problems or. Nation problems, state problems. I don't like any of it. And, 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 and there is a payday on a lot of that. Hallelujah. But me complaining about it ain't helping it none. And all it does is sucks me into it. And it's, again, I'm going to repeat myself. It's not that there isn't sometimes legitimate complaints. It's horrible. This should not be going on. This is wrong. But see, if I just, if all I do is complain, uh, you know, uh, I think I brought it out last week. You know, Doc Barkley had a, his own little proverb, and he says that uh, the, the doorway to the blessing in life is hinged on uh, uh, gratitude and so I thought well I have a little proverb then because just it's just you see it in there okay that the the doorway into the curse and death is hinged on complaining well I don't want to go in that doorway so what I want to do is I want to position myself so then I can say all right Lord what what can I do about the wrong what can I do about this, maybe somebody else's poor decision making. That's affecting my life and everybody's life around me. Right? So what do we do? Well, kill them, right? <laughs> Die! You know, no, no, no. Uh, they're already on that road. They're already on that road. See, that you don't even have to pray that. They're already on that road. But you don't want to get on that road with them. 
So I'd rather be in the road of life and peace and not, you know, death, ruin, and destruction, the curse. I'd rather get on the road where the blessing is. And then if God says, all right, I want you to pray this, I want you to do this, and all that you do and all that you say, you do it in the name of the Lord, giving him thanks every step of the way, praise God. And as you do that, you keep yourself positioned to follow God, what to pray. Does anybody in the house believe in the unseen realm? All right, with that said, let's go to Philippians 4. Hallelujah. Now listen, now we either believe this or we don't. And, and, you know, we're not trying to pick on anybody. That's not our point here today. But, but I think sometimes we lose sight of that. We get going along as, as good little Christians. And sometimes we just, we just live life no different than the rest of the world lives. When all along we can live at a higher place. You're called to be the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. Walking in favor. Amen. Walking in the blessing. Walking, praise God, with every need met, praise God. God's showing himself strong in your life. Well, you're the light, the salt, the difference maker, the community changer, the atmosphere adjuster, the environment influencer, the difference maker. Praise God, that's who you are. Well, the only way that's going to happen, the only way you can bring a difference is you're going to have to live in a different place. And I don't mean by a different house, which that may change too. Somebody say praise the Lord. But the bottom line is, is we live in a different place in the unseen, we, we purpose to go through the right gate, stand in the right courtyard, remain there, so we can be in a position to hear and to follow. I want abundant life, not, you know, stealing, killing, and destroying that goes on from the enemy. Okay, uh, Philippians 4. Am I, am I boring you today? I wouldn't want to do that. You know, the psalmist said this. He said, I complained... And my spirit was overwhelmed. Absolutely. I, 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 this stuff bothers me. You complain and you get overwhelmed. You remember Martha? I'll get to the word here in a minute. You remember Martha, 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 Martha? Remember that? Jesus said Martha, Martha. You're all worked up and stressed out, girl. Boy. Well, the word says this, okay? The word says, you know, Jesus is there at the house ministering. They're all in the, in the living room, sitting down. He's ministered to them. And Martha's out there trying to get, you know, get the taters done and the chicken done and, the, you know, getting all that stuff, the table set and all that kind of stuff. So pretty soon she got the wrong focus. It says that she got distracted with serving. You say, well, isn't that a good thing? It can be if he's in it. So obviously... She, you know, she should have been, because he made it real clear, you should be in here sitting down. Don't worry about the table. We'll get the table when we're all done. But she says, you know what, that, you know, you, Jesus, he, she interrupts Jesus. You know, sometimes, sometimes being overwhelmed, it does that to you. You, you lose sight of everybody else. You lose, it's always about, my life stinks. And I want you all to know it. Well, I don't want to know it. I can see it. It's obvious, right? Jesus, tell my sister to get her fanny in here and help me. Well, since she interrupted me, Martha, Martha. Now, when he says your name twice, 
you probably better listen. Am I right? Martha, Martha, you are right now overwhelmed with many things. See, she just thought it was the fact, no, just one thing, Jesus. My sister should be in your help. No, you're worked up about a lot of things, and it's just now coming out where we can all see it and hear it. Martha, Martha, you're overwhelmed. You're stressing out, and you don't need to be. See, Mary did the right thing by coming in here, sitting down, and tapping presents. Okay? See, all that stuff will fall away, go away. doesn't mean that the table, you know, like it's just going to magically be uh, set or whatever. But the bottom line is this. It, you don't have to be all worked up about it right now. Just come in here, and we'll all help you with that or whatever happens. And it would be a whole lot more joy, a whole lot more peace. Come on. you got two sisters now. You know, there's a big giant elephant in the room because the two sisters are glaring each other down. You ever been to those reunions? <laughs> Somebody says, oh, my God, yeah. I ain't going there. Every time I go there, we get in the fight all the time. Because well, that ain't the way it's supposed to work. Anybody hear me? So what do we do? Well, this is a good thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always again. Just in case you didn't hear me the first time, I will say rejoice. Look at your name and say rejoice. Praise God. It's a giving of thanks and adoration, okay? Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness, now that's the new King James, gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, the word gentleness in your old King James is kind of used the word moderation, uh, which you think, okay, what is, how does that fit in here? Well, it means uh, appropriateness or appropriacy, appropriate. It literally means proper emotional control under pressure. Let your proper emotional control huh, be right. That's what it's referring to. Okay? Let your emotions stay in check. The Lord is at, in other words, chill out. He's here, okay? Look at your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Right? So he says, literally saying, listen, okay, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Okay? Keep your emotions in check. Come on. The Lord's at hand. Come on. He's always with you. Do you believe in the unseen or not? See what I'm saying? See, we, lose, we get all freaked out and flipped out because we lose sight. It's like, you know, you wouldn't say that if, he was, if you knew he was sitting in the seat next to you. Now, we've all done this. Even your pastor has done this. Oh, get so caught up with that one or two or three negative things. It's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with people? About then, the Spirit of God goes, what courtyard are you walking in? Oh, uh, yeah. Back on out of there, amen? Hallelujah. Anyway, be anxious for nothing. That means don't worry. Don't, it literally means careful or to take care. It refers to taking a thought, a wrong thought. 
uses words, uh, synonyms like stress, mental upheaval. See, worry, this is all, do not be anxious, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't allow yourself, see, don't let your emotions get out of hand, and don't start taking thoughts you shouldn't be taking. Jesus used the same phrase in Matthew 6. You get where he says, uh, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. Come on. But if you go in it and actually look it up, it says, don't take any thought saying. Don't sit and rehearse about your life isn't where it needs to be. We're not denying the existence of whatever it is you're going through. But you sitting there and constantly rehearsing it is not causing it to go away. It just progresses. It's like the, the little demons and imps of hell kind of like dig in. They wrap around your head and get you in a headlock and they just kind of squeeze a little more. And then you get more frustrated and more anxious and, and more emotional and pretty. Somebody says, really? Yeah. Didn't you feel better? Well, for a second. But then all of a sudden they all, you know, lock back on again. <laughs> Be anxious for nothing. But in everything... By prayer and supplication, so your communion with him, supplication just means, you know, uh, petitioning, but it says with thanksgiving. See, remember now, don't lose sight. He said uh, the verse prior, he says, you know, don't, don't get all, turn into some emotional wreck. Come on, right? The Lord's at hand. So he says, listen, if the Lord's at hand, now next verse again, thank you. So if the Lord's at hand, then stop worrying about it. And then in everything, no matter what you're going through, he's not denying. He said, listen, there's things going on that need to change. That should change. That should go away. That should not be happening to you and your family. Nobody should have to go through that. So what do we do? Well, if you actually believed, we will pray and supplicate and give God thanks in the middle of it, even though we're not happy about it. But I'm going to thank God. Hallelujah. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my protection. He is my righteousness, my sanctification, my redemption. He's my all in all. I thank you, Lord. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The word says that God already knows what you have need of before you ask him. So he says, well, where the heck do I have to ask? Because he said to. So you, you, you say, amen. But see, if all that's coming out of our mouth is grumbling and complaining, see, then now we're not stirring up thanksgiving. Huh? We're, instead, we're stirring up complaining. Anybody hearing me? Oh, hallelujah. I spit all over myself. All right. And what happens when you begin to do this, verse 6, right, be with, with, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. What will happen? And what? So it's talking about, again about, it's, it's saying the same thing. It's the presence. It's peace. What is peace? The word peace, Irina, is the, is the 
Greek word, the, the Hebrew word that's the same, is shalom. It means wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. It means, uh, literally means brought back to one, which means brought back into divine order. Last week we talked about changing that, that, that deserted place into the Garden of Eden. Same, saying the same thing. If you, want, if you want God on the scene, you want the peace of God, everything in divine order, then you've got to have some thanks involved in this. And then it says, when the peace of God's there, all of a sudden it says it surpasses all understanding. So now your head that's been giving you fits, has anybody ever had your head give you fits? I know I'm not alone in this. See, he's not denying the fact that right now the enemy's warring at you. Right now your mental upheaval is going ballistic. The emotions are now kind of going off the chart. What do I do? What do I do? Wait a minute. I remember what the preacher said. Let's start giving him thanks. Lord, I want to thank you. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand it. I wish it wasn't happening, but I thank you. That you know all things and that you are able to turn this around. I thank you that you are able to provide. I thank you that you are my deliverer. I thank you. And what happens all of a sudden your head, see, it surpasses now your own understanding. Your head now has to go, hey, wait a minute. What are you doing? Hey, we got things to be upset about. Hey, hey. I'd rather complain. Hey, what are you doing? I'm going to praise God anyhow. Hey, hey, wait a minute. It surpasses. It now guards your heart because a lot of things that go on affect the core, the center, the heart of man. It guards your heart and it guards your mind through Christ Jesus. Can I hear a big amen? So, thanksgiving is a huge thing. Now let's read on, because there's a big key in this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there is any virtue or excellence, it means, uh, if there's any praiseworthy, come on, meditate on these things. So fix your mind on these things. Now, you know, we're not necessarily got time to go through all these things, but, but there's, see, he's saying there's, there are other things out there that we can give thanks for. Right? Come on. You meditate on those. And the things which you've learned and received and heard in me, those Paul talking, and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So what it is, see, it's just another way to say you're stepping into the right courtyard. Okay? So get your mind. Now, if you're listening and watching our midweek stuff we put out there, I wish you would. Amen. We've been talking about the simplicity of Christ and the different things. They're just basic, simple truths. Last week I talked about just the simple truth that where you set your mind determines where you're going, period. And if you want to set your mind on things above, it always puts you on the road of life and peace. You set your mind on things of this natural realm. He's not excluding. He's not saying that it doesn't exist. He just says don't set your mind there. You set your mind there. Now you're on a road of death, ruin, destruction, despair, and limits. So you put your mind up here. And as your mind is up here, stayed up here, the peace of God. See, you come into that courtyard. All of a sudden, the peace of God, the one that brings everything into divine order, makes everything line up, praise God. So now when you come and you have to start dealing with stuff down here, God walks you through it, leads you, guides you, directs you, praise God. You're now on a road of life and peace. 
Right? I mean, now you can, I mean, you can strut now. Right? But, you know, you're on rotor. You know, death, ruin, and destruction, and limits. It's like, uh, I don't like this road. Well, you shouldn't be on that road. Get off that road. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. Really? Get off that road. Get on this road. Things start clearing up. Things start making a little more sense. That doesn't mean that everything instantaneously goes away. It just means that now you're at least on a road that it will fall away or you'll walk yourself right on out of that mess. Come on, somebody. At least hear God on how to deal with it. That's why it says submit to God first, then resist the devil, and he flees. Because you're now in a position you can hear. God leads you, guides you. He says, now bind that thing. Plead the blood over that thing. Declare this. Declare that. Do this. Do that. What's he doing? Leading you. You're going on down a road of life and peace, knowing what to do. Jesus said, my food, my sustenance, that which nourishes me is doing the will of God which sent me, praise God, and finishing his work. I do what he asks. I do what he says. I say what he says, whatever. I do it because when I do that, it brings sustenance. It meets my needs. Well, it's the same thing with you and me. But complaining, because, again, I think I said it earlier, but complaining is just wrong focus. You're focusing on the wrong things. Meditate on that which is good and noble and just and lovely and perfect and of good report, any virtue or you know, praiseworthy. Meditate on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Can I hear a big Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, a little bit more gratitude. A little bit more thanksgiving. Amen? we got to stir that up in us. Amen? Hallelujah. we got to stir that up in us. Okay. Romans 1. I'll wrap it up with Romans 1 today. I've been wanting to get to Romans 1 for since the first service of this. <clears throat> for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, and unrighteous, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, verse, what's that, verse uh, 18? Verse 19, because, okay, so it's all one sentence, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, meaning that the people he's talking about in this text are people who should know better. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church, people who should know the ways of God, people who, you're going to find it here in a second, people who actually know God. Are you still with me? Now listen, okay. Do you believe in the unseen? Okay. All right. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So in other words, he says there's all kinds of things in the unseen. He said, in fact, much of it has been manifested in the seen realm, right? When he said, light be, when he said, trees produce after their own kind, he spoke things into existence, and they manifest where you and me can see them. But that should be nothing but another sign to you and me about a God who's able. 
When I first moved here, we came from Nebraska. I ain't seen a mountain ever before, but we pulled in this area and go, whoa, my gosh. And when we first came here, I had a camera that I just, I click, 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 click. You know, dated myself, didn't I? Buy another roll, put it in, click, 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 click. When somebody said, this is God's country, I believed them. I said, yeah, it is. You should live where I lived. No mountains, just corn, beans, a few hills, some trees, you know, a few tornadoes. Other things. He says, listen, all you have to do is just look. You can see it. It's evident. So does anybody agree with that? Okay, verse 21. All right. All right, still with me? Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, but were, huh? But were, what? Nor were, what? Nor were thankful but became futile, vain, foolish, okay? It actually goes deeper than that, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second. Became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were dark and professing to be wise. They've now become fools. Well, what's all that saying? He's saying, listen, they, they're now, see, they, they've allowed certain things. They stopped being thankful. They became futile. Hmm. So in other words, they started putting their mind, their attention on the wrong thing. And as a result of it, God just let them do it. See, thanksgiving was a, was a key thing to help keep your head straight. And so there was, they were not thankful. In fact, I don't have time to go there today, obviously, but, uh, but uh, 2 Timothy 3, it talks about, you know, the last days, there's perilous times, there's stressful times, and he goes on to say that people are going to be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. But right all through that text, one of the things it mentions is they're unthankful. They're thankless. So there's no power Nothing's shifting or changing for you. You're just now a part of this stressful life because we won't, we won't give time to give thanks. He's saying the same thing here. We're thankless, nor we're thankful, but become futile in their thoughts. Now look at this. <clears throat> you okay? Professing to be wise, they became fools, verse 23, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. You think, what does that talk about? Well, the word here, corruptible man, uh, is, you might even have a crossword that says perishable. But all it means is prone to make mistakes. That's all it means. So he's an incorruptible God. He, ain't, he don't make mistakes. But somehow through our silliness, we begin now to turn and make him as if he's just like some man Prone to make mistakes. Are you with me? Now this, is, this, this whole thing is this progression of, of yuck that happens. Nobody makes, you know, Romans 1, at least these part of the verses, they're refrigerator verses. Okay? Somebody says, well, why are you reading them then? I'm reading them at the end. 
So the, what happens, see, what happens is we're not thankful, so we, we lose sight. Our, our attention gets off of who our source is. Our attention gets off of what we have. Pretty soon we're not thankful about anything, so pretty soon here comes this enemy slithers in because we've got on the wrong road now, so the enemy just kind of slithers in. And he begins to kind of twist and, and manipulate and, and get you to think something. And pretty soon you're going, yeah, I don't know why, why God did this. I mean, none of this, uh, I just don't understand. None of this works. And, and, and what, I mean, what was God thinking? I mean, I mean who is God? Th- I mean, what, my gosh, I mean, uh, you know, God, you know, look what God did to me. No, whoa, whoa, breaks, hold it. No, no, I, I'm just telling you. What's happening? See, no thanks, but see, as you study this, you find out there's bitterness, which, by the way, the Scripture says is poison. Resentment. Come on. Criticism. Negativity. All of it fits in here. There is absolutely nothing positive about being negative. But see, if you're not thankful... You step into the wrong courtyard, pretty soon you're overwhelmed, everything you worked up, and now uh, pretty soon you're saying things, and you're saying this, and you're saying that, and it just kind of starts to, you know, just like a snowball, just begins to get bigger and bigger and worse and worse. Pretty soon you're thinking thoughts like, man, I don't understand, where's God? How come God did this to me? What was God thinking? Whoa, time out. No, God, uh, if he's all powerful, he shouldn't have done this or did that. There is an enemy that's deceiving you right now. And he would love for you to think all the problems on the earth are God. Well, starving children in India India, that have been offered food, that reject it. And offered assistance that rejected. They refused to bow to Jehovah God. Some, not all. The point is, there's all kinds of things out there. But if we sit here and we can't start keeping God as, a, as our source and, and keeping him before us and keep thanking him, pretty soon what ends up happening, pretty soon you get a little off on your thinking. Pretty soon now your thoughts are futile. Pretty soon you think you're being wise and you're really being a fool. And he's talking to the church. He ain't talking to the world. He's talking to the church. Verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Pretty soon, see, it just, it just starts getting out of control. It just starts progressing. Okay, verse, where are we at? Verse 25 now, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. God, just listen, you want to do it? God just said, fine. I'm not going to stop you. You want to get on that road? Get on that road. Listen, somebody say, oh, God, listen, listen. Have you ever read the parable of the prodigal son? It's a perfect example of who your father is. The prodigal said, listen, I want everything that's mine. I want it now, and I'm leaving. Okay. And you can't stop me. I won't do it. 
I'm leaving. And get taken. He goes, he goes and he goes and lives like the whatever, right? Pretty soon he's in the hog slop. Come on, somebody lost everything he had. The father didn't chase him. God ain't chasing you. You want to live that way? Now he's always there when you're ready to look up. Praise the Lord. And that's the thing. So I, I, wherever you're at in this thing, if, you know, I am just say, look up, please. And the word says that when he came back, when he came to his senses, the word says, he says, you know what? Even if I'm a servant for my dad, I'm going to live better than I am now. I'm just going to go back. He had this whole speech, and the whole way he's walking back, he's thinking of the speech and how he's going to say it to his dad, and he begins to get it, and he finally sees his dad. His dad sees him from afar off, runs up, throws his arms around him, kisses on his neck. He's so glad to see him, and, he, and the boy tries to go through his whole speech about where I really screwed up and where I really messed up, and I shouldn't. He said, ah, Bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the shoes, kill the fatted calf. Woo! We're going to have a party because my boy's back. Woo! Now that's a perfect example of God. So the point being made through this text is people make decisions and they want to blame God, be upset with God or whatever it is that put him in this place. But he goes on, for this reason, he gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use uh, for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. And receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And listen, the word says there's a, there's a, you know, sin has a payday. But see, you, get off that road. Just get off the road. He's not condemning it. He's just saying, listen, there's a road there. It's, gonna, it's not going to end good. And even as they did not like uh, to retain, am I reading, am I skip a verse or I got, okay. Uh, even though they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, corrupt mind. Just let them, just whatever you want to think, go think. And do those things which are not uh, in uh, fitting, being filled, now look at this, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, <sighs> evil-mindedness, they are whispers, in other words, just creating trouble, backbiters, uh, you know, uh, haters of God, uh, uh, resentment, that really refers to being resentful, okay, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, a bunch of uns, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. That's because you're on that road of death. It's not because God's looking to put the hammer down on you. People always read, like, oh, God's upset. Listen, he didn't just talk about homosexuals here. You get down on these verses, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. I, oh, that's me. Oh, my, oh my God. Oh, oh, that's me, too. Oh, my God. And it says, not only do the same, in other words, not only to do that, but those that approve those things who practice them. See? See, when we're not, see, the word even said undiscerning. What happens, you kind of get to that place, pretty soon you're not even discerning. Pretty soon, well, it's okay. No, it ain't. We're not here condemning any man. But we don't sit and condone sin either. 
We don't just lay down and let it run us over and take us over. We have to stand our ground. But see, pretty soon we go, well, you know, it's a new era, it's a new time, and God isn't relevant because, you know, God must have made mistakes and didn't know what he was talking about. And because he didn't know what he's talking about, you know, see, so here we are in 2021, and, you know, everything goes. And we should be okay and just yield to it. And how this works. Now, again, I'm going to say it again. We ain't here to condemn another man. But we ain't here to condone that mess either. So how do, you, how do you keep that in balance? How do you stay in a place of discernment? It goes right back to the same thing. If we're not stirring up thanksgiving, if we're not staying thankful, we're not keeping our head in the right place, staying in the right place where you're hearing God, there's so much of this stuff that when you get going, pretty soon the Spirit of God gives you, you know, shows you how to do it, how to deal with it, how to handle it, how to say it. It just, it just happens. Some of these individuals have um, been through these things. We've had times where we're on, on the streets and ministering on the streets and people, uh, you know, you, you go out there and you begin to sing and praise and then pretty soon here they all come because they're mad. They think you could come to bash them. It's like, no, we're just praising God. Amen. Pretty soon I find that they open up. Pretty soon you're able to minister to them right where they're at. Come on. But I found out one thing. Almost across the board, most of these individuals grew up in Christian homes. And most of them are bitter or resentful about something that happened to them in their past. Are you with me? But see, what happens, we, we go down that road, and pretty soon we're doing things and saying things and allowing things, and it doesn't matter whether you know Jesus or not. Anybody hearing me? You still have to guard where you set your mind, and you still have to guard what comes out your mouth. And we need to be thankful people and not complaining people. Did you get something? Why don't you all stand up, praise the Lord, give the Lord praise. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.